0: Okay, here we go. So today's plate says 4 1 N space 7 2 W. It's a New York plate. What do you think it means? 41 in 72 W.
1: So it could be that they live on West 72nd Street, and that's the first thing I think of when I see that. I, I don't think it means 72 wide. At least I'd like to think that the four looks like a backwards P. Is it pin something?
0: Forty-one North, seventy-two West. Those these could be coordinates. Forty-one North, seventy-two West.
1: Okay, well, I guess those are coordinates.
0: They're both very low numbers. Is it then about being in a specific place? Is that how coordinates work? Then this person's probably from there. I'm trying to pretend I know more about <laughs> latitude and longitude than I do. Coordinates, like a longitude, latitude of a significant place in someone's life, like a buried treasure.
1: Am I allowed to look up where what that is on like a globe? 41N, space, 72W. 41 degrees north of the equator and 72 degrees west of the prime meridian.
0: I'm Isaac Klein, and this is Vanity, the podcast that brings you the stories behind the plates.
1: My name is Deva Sobel. I am a writer. I've been been a writer all my adult life, which is something to be proud of. I had a vanity license plate that was about my book, Longitude, because that book made all sorts of things possible, including a vanity license plate.
0: Deva is 74 years old. She gave up the vanity plate about five years ago.
1: I think I had my fling of self-indulgence with it.
0: 41 North, 72 West is the latitude and longitude of East Hampton, New York, a beach town at the end of Long Island, about 100 miles east of New York City.
1: It's the place I've lived and raised my family and still live. So it feels an emblem of home of one of my proudest moments. Both those things.
0: It was the fall of 1993 when Deva got the opportunity that would change her life. She was living in East Hampton with her husband and their two young kids at the time. And she was making a decent living as a writer, freelancing for newspapers and magazines. She pitched an article about a symposium being held at Harvard, the subject of which was longitude.
1: The meeting was excellent, fascinating, and I was very excited about it. I remember I was even writing the piece in the car driving home with my yellow pad on the steering wheel.
0: (laughs) Harvard Magazine ran Davis' article as the cover story of their March-April 94 issue. Then she got a phone call from a man named George Gibson. He wanted her to turn the article into a book. She said yes and had a full draft ready six months later.
1: I used to be very fast as a writer. I'm not at all anymore.
0: In 1995, Walker and Company published Longitude, the true story of a lone genius who solved the greatest scientific problem of his time. The New York Times gave it a rave.
1: The Times Review brought All Things Considered on NPR. Then we were flying. Then it was on the bestseller list. And my, my life changed. <laughs> I just I have chills just remembering what that was like.
0: Longitude went on to sell millions of copies around the world. It was published in 25 languages, and the paperback was reissued with a foreword by Neil Armstrong. The book inspired a documentary, a stage play, and a made for TV movie. Jeremy Irons, Michael Gambon. Longitude, the 2nd and 3rd of January on 4. Davis Sobel's career had taken off into the upper stratosphere. She toured the world with book events and speaking engagements. She went on to write a number of successful books about science and history, including Galileo's daughter she's at work now on a new one about Marie Curie and it's all because of one little book that could longitude no one saw that coming and you said you had chills remember what it was like when you were yeah
1: it was so exciting I mean you were here the whole time I was writing it was a it was the family joke it it was who was going to read a book about Longitude?
0: Did you catch what she gave away just then? Let me play part of that again.
1: You were here the whole time I was writing.
0: Yep, it's true. I was there. Davis Sobel, best-selling author of Longitude, is my mom.
1: I'm Davis Sobel, as you like to say. <laughs> um, that's just funny when you talk about me in the third person with my whole name. That always gets a laugh.
0: I was 11 when Longitude came out and became such a hit. But my mom's story was by no means an overnight success.
1: I'd been a writer for years. I'd I'd been a New York Times reporter. I wasn't inexperienced. I wasn't totally unknown. I mean, I had various things already going for me.
0: My dad, Art Klein, was also a writer. The two of them even wrote some books together. So I guess it's not shocking that I've picked up the family trade. My parents disagreed about a lot of things, but they were always united in their love for my sister Zoe and me. My dad died a few years ago. He and my mom were always huge supporters of my work, and my mom continues to be.
1: I'm very flattered to be asked to talk about my vanity plate. And I wouldn't refuse you anything that I could think of. And why is that? Because I love you. Oh, I love you too. Well, great. Here we are. The record show. Yeah.
0: Longitude came to be during a tempestuous time for our family. My parents were getting divorced.
1: That was, it was all pretty awful for a while.
0: Yeah. And so Longitude helped you through that time? Yeah. Yeah. Longitude continued to help her. That book is the reason my mom got out of debt. It's the reason she treated herself to an old jaguar with vanity plates. It's the reason she could pay off the mortgage on the house where I grew up. It's the reason my sister and I don't have any student debt.
1: That book just turned my career upside down. And suddenly, I was an author.
0: Longitude is largely the story of how people learn to find their way at sea. Much of it is set in the 18th century on the Atlantic Ocean, the same waters that crash on the shores of East Hampton, my hometown. My mom and I went for a walk on my favorite beach there during my last visit on a sunny April morning.
1: It's just a day that makes you feel good to be alive. Sparkling, the water is just sparkling. I'm
0: so grateful that you ended up raising me by by this water. (laughs) Me
1: too. It, um, it really worked out well. I'm, I'm so glad we stayed here.
0: And the life on, on the water by, by the outstretches of the Atlantic Ocean is how we both grew up.
1: Yeah, that's how.
0: My mom was born and raised in the Bronx, where she first learned about longitude at a very young age. Her book, Longitude, is dedicated to my grandmother.
1: I may cry reading the dedication. For my mother, Betty Gruber Sobel, a four-star navigator who can sail by the heavens but always drives by way of canarsie.
0: My mom and her two brothers grew up sailing with their parents. My grandpa Sam would be at the helm, and my grandma Betty would navigate.
1: And the sailboat's name was Mañana, which fit their life philosophy of, maybe we'll get there, maybe not, Mañana. So they kept the name. It's thrilling to be on a 40-foot boat like that. And you're just moving because of the wind. It's really, it's really a beautiful feeling.
0: Time on the Mañana was a rare respite for the family, particularly for my grandpa, Sam. He was an obstetrician and a general practitioner, and he ran his practice out of their home.
1: It took him away from everything. He was constantly on call. And so when he was out on the water, that was it. He was gone.
0: Sam set aside family time for more than just sailing. My mom recalls one such outing with him in the beginning of chapter one of Longitude.
1: Once on a Wednesday excursion, when I was a little girl... My father bought me a beaded wire ball that I loved. At a touch, I could collapse the toy into a flat coil between my palms or pop it open to make a hollow sphere. Rounded out, it resembled a tiny earth because its hinged wires traced the same pattern of intersecting circles that I had seen on the globe in my schoolroom the thin black lines of latitude and longitude. The few colored beads slid along the wire paths haphazardly like ships on the high seas. My father strode up Fifth Avenue to Rockefeller Center with me on his shoulders, and we stopped to stare at the statue of Atlas carrying heaven and earth on his. The bronze orb that Atlas held aloft like the wire toy in my hands, was a see-through world defined by imaginary lines. The equator, the ecliptic, the Tropic of Cancer, the Tropic of Capricorn, the Arctic Circle, the prime meridian. Even then I could recognize, in the graph paper grid imposed on the globe, a powerful symbol of all the real lands and waters on the planet.
0: When my mother wrote those words, it had been four decades since that day atop her father's shoulders. She got her first writing job at 23, at a local newspaper, and quickly fell into her life's work of science writing, which ultimately led her to Longitude.
1: And then, it became an international bestseller.
0: That's my mom's brother, Steve.
1: So you, you can imagine the thrill. Now, my, unfortunately, my dad had already passed away when Longitude came out. I, I could I, I, I love to think about how he would have responded, how proud and happy that would have made him.
0: Thankfully, my grandmother Betty was still with us then. She spent her final years just around the corner from us at 41 North, 72 West.
1: She relished this whole process. She read every chapter. She talked to me about it. She c- couldn't wait to see the next part of it, and she got to see what happened.
0: When my mom was a kid... She and her mom would lie on the deck of the manana and look up at the stars. When I was a kid, my mom and I would do the same. But our boat was just an inflatable one, and we kept it on dry land.
1: So it was like a pillow. Whereas if you're looking up at the stars, your neck starts to hurt really quickly. It could be very unpleasant. Uh, So you need something like that.
0: That boat is long gone. But on my last visit, my mom and I went out to the back deck one night. There's no streetlights out there, so the sky is really dark. It's amazing how many stars you can see.
1: Well, here's the Big Dipper. See, it's kind of standing on its handle. As you'll notice now, craning your neck is not so comfortable. The moon is right in... um, Gemini, the measurement of the moon in relation to certain stars was the pre-chronometer method of determining longitude.
0: The chronometer was pioneered by longitude's main character, John Harrison. A chronometer is basically just a clock that keeps very precise, reliable time. It's complicated to explain, but having a clock like that on board a ship unlocked the secret to finding one's longitude at sea. People at the time thought Harrison and his clock idea were crazy. It took him decades of work to perfect his contraption and overcome the naysayers. There are a lot of parallels between Harrison's story and my mom's, and my own for that matter. My mom spent decades hustling and struggling and honing her craft before finding the success that she did. I spent decades pursuing a career in theater. I gave it everything I had, and it was often wonderful and fulfilling, but it also felt like trying to push a boulder up a hill. Now in this new medium, I'm striving to find my way, to find success. Do you feel like if you put in 20 or 30 years that it that kind of success will happen in time or that it's No,
1: there's no guarantee. I know too many people who who just cannot get a break.
0: I know I've already gotten a lot of breaks, among them the fact that I was born into a supportive household and I didn't have to worry about paying for school or anything, really, and I continue to have a major financial safety net in place. I think anyone who knows me well would agree that I'm extremely hardworking, but that work hasn't always been lucrative.
1: You've been working all this time. You've just been working at jobs that didn't pay enough to live on.
0: And I mean, a lot of parents and people would might take issue with the fact or be concerned that I just haven't haven't had a real job and have just been kind of pursuing passion projects for.
1: Hey, I'm I'm all for it. Why? Because you can and you're good at it. Why Why would I push you to do something else just to get a regular paycheck? That just seems ridiculous to me. I always knew you would figure it out, and you have, and you'll you'll get a job now.
0: That's my hope, anyway, to find a job that allows me to tell stories the way I love to do. That's the pursuit. And it's essentially the same one my mom was on for all those years.
1: To be able to determine your longitude is the way to f- figure out how to get where you want to go. That's that's what it means. And it, it meant that for me, that that, that book and that topic came up at a time when I was finding my way.
0: As much as I love it, there are definitely moments when I think about bailing on this creative course. But then I think of John Harrison, who finally solved the longitude problem after 40 years of tinkering and fighting. And I think of my mom and her work and her vanity plate in celebration of her breakout hit, the one that no one saw coming.
1: But that's the thing is nobody really knows. And if it's what you want to do, that's a value right there. I mean, having something to do that you love to do, that's just the best thing. It's the joy of the doing of the thing that is the greatest reward. I mean, getting on the bestseller list was a thrill, but it doesn't really compare to doing the work to being in the thrall, thrill of the vision that you have, which might not look like anything important to anybody else, but somehow it's the most important thing to you, and you're willing to work at it day and night, and fuss it to death, That's, that's a life.
0: This episode was written and produced by yours truly, Isaac Klein. The music was composed and performed by James Stewart, with additional music by Maurice Ravel. The podcast cover art is by David Littman. The people guessing the meaning of the plate were Robert Besseta, Jersey Kwestowski, Jada Hester, Linda Lee McBride, Brigham Mosley, and Kiara Peacock. Special thanks this episode to Dave Sobel, Steve Sobel, Michael Carlyle, Laura Hicks, Brian Suto, Mike Anderson, Yasmina Mayer, Annabeth Poe, Laura Rule, Paul Quadros, John Bewin, Mark Robinson, the Triad Foundation, and everyone at UNC Chapel Hill who helped to make this happen. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the ride.